Hey, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. Time to go up the down staircase and the outdoor, make sense out of the senseless, and if at all possible, find the obvious buried in the absurd. I said that all in one breath. Let's get to it. Glad to have you joining me from anywhere and everywhere around planet Earth through the magic of technology. I'm not kidding. Every time I sit behind this microphone, and I'll get to this in just a few minutes, I probably put in 35 hours this past week, which is a bit much even for me, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I'm, I'm amazed. You know, the, the technology that I use to create this show, I used to need a room full of equipment. And doing this project... Uh, I might as well get to it right now. So anyway, I'm doing this this tribute to John Denver, my my good old buddy, uh, late singer songwriter, died 25 years ago, this October, and uh, there are numerous things going on media wise. And after about the third one, I heard about, it, I thought, okay, I need to do something. But this is of a magnitude I haven't done since 2007, 15 years ago, and we did that one on the uh, the 10th anniversary of John's passing, and it was an ambitious effort to say the least. But back then, I was at Oprah Radio. I had a staff of six people working for me. I had editors and more editors and more editors and people doing the production. And I hosted it. And then I kind of oversaw the project. And, you know, we were very proud. It was nominated for a Peabody Award. Uh, and it was a great thing. It was three hours long. It's a lot, a lot of production and a lot of chopping things away and editing and all that goes along with that. So now, putting this together, um, 15 years later, it's just Johnny. And in some ways, I kind of like that. I mean, I, I miss the team, no doubt about that. But I like the feeling of doing this solo. It is a very organic, down-to-earth, how I started in this business kind of feel, doing just a little bit of everything. And in order to pull all that off, I have to have guests on at some point. Obviously, I can't talk for two hours about John myself play music. I probably could, boring as hell. But I wanted to get these, you know, the guests on, the people of name and note, family, friends, and what have you. In order to do that, it's remote, right? Not everybody's here in Chicago, not flying them in, even though I love the guy, I'm not spending that kind of cash. So literally, what it used to take six people to do, even though there's more effort on my part, I can do myself. And the technology that we used to use back then literally had, I mean, the console was as long as a Cadillac, man, and buttons and slides and all kind of things in a big studio with with the finest equipment and you know, it's, it's great. It was, it was fantastic. It was a great experience, but now I'm on a platform called clean feed that is utilized by many different media outlets. And it is crystal clear communication around the world did not have that back then. So when I'm talking to Bill Curtis in this special or John Oates from Holland Oates or, um, Richie Foray from Buffalo Springfield and his own work in the world and numerous other guests, they're all over the place. But it sounds like it did back in 07 if they were in the studio with me. It's fantastic. So I get a little, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a techie, I don't think. At least I'm not a good techie, but I'm a, always admiring the technology. So I'm not kidding. When I sit down and do this and I get everything all lined up and I get my my microphone fired up and I put the uh, the, the light on the door that says, you know, on air, um, I just get the biggest kick out of it. I've been doing this 25 years and I still get a huge kick out of turning this microphone on and seeing what we can come up with. 
So that's enough of that for a bit. But I wanted to kind of see where this was going to go today, and I had a decision to make. Either I'm going to talk about the fish in the aquarium in the living room or politics. Hmm. I'm going to go with politics on this one. Maybe the fish thing's a little too esoteric and high-minded at this point. Maybe a little bit later. It was just this, this question that ran through my head. I wonder if the fish knows he's a fish in an aquarium any more than I know I'm John in the world. Like that's his whole world. The fish's whole world is this three-gallon aquarium, and the only way the fish eats is if I feed him. There's a snail in there too. Snail's name's Gary. It's Gary number two because Gary number one kicked off after about a year. But we have his shell as a memoriam to Gary number one. So Gary number two is the snail in there. And the fish is called sushi. It's one of those beta fish. And you can't put two beta fish in the same tank as they'll kill each other. Kind of like politics. Nice segue, don't you think? Uh, hopefully I can make this clear. I am, for the most part, apolitical. I have lost millions of dollars probably by not going into political talk radio taking one side or the other. I've turned down offers to do this. I had an agent at one time said, you're an idiot. I mean, you could retire by the time you're 50. I'm thinking, well, what if I don't want to retire at 50? He said, then keep doing what you're doing. So he was right about that. But I like the view from the top of the fence, looking on both sides of just about everything, then the view from just one side of the fence, looking at my side only and not understanding another piece of the puzzle. So we're going into this political cycle. And it is ramping up big time. Where's that paper at? I got it right here. Where is it at? Right here. Uh, you can hear that? I got it right here. So this newspaper starts to show up on our mailbox. And I'd never seen it before. And it's, so, I'm not going to, you know what? I'm not calling it out because I'm not going to get into the specifics of it. Let's just say, I'm not going to tell you what it is. But it comes in the form of a newspaper. You hear that? Yeah, there's all here. It's four pages long, depending on how you look at it. And um, there's a nice little part in here about events and where your local stars are playing college football. But the, the thrust of it is they don't like the governor of Illinois. And three or four of the pages, three of the pages for sure, are filled with all the things that are wrong with the governor of Illinois and all the horrible things he's going to do and uh, all that stuff. So that's this paper. Now it shows up once a week because we're going into an election cycle. This is a little bit of a new tactic. I've not seen this before. It literally looks like a newspaper you would get, pick up, or have delivered, and you just read it. And there it is. So that's a new tactic. And I, I, I'm fascinated, too, about how much money is spent on this stuff, how many trees we have to chop down to create that. Let's put this in a recycling bin over there. And... Um, so there's that. And then, of course, there is the email blast. And I may or may not have alluded to some of these in previous shows. And, and follow me on this. Again, this is really less about politics and more about human behavior and what our responsibility or is not in this election stuff. And so there's a, a local congressman who, I mean, I get three a day from this guy. Sometimes it's his wife, apparently, but I don't really believe that. I think it's a staffer that's doing this. And I keep all of them just to look at the media uh, presence, the platform, and what they're doing as marketing and see even if it's effective. So on Labor Day, I got a happy Labor Day. Dear John, Labor Day is more than just a long weekend, la da 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 And then the next one, this is one of my favorites. Now this is what you see when you, before you even open the email. Hey John, yard sides will win this race, seriously. And then he goes on to say, in just a second, I'll explain to you 
why plastering my district with thousands of yard sales is critical and winning my re-election. And then he goes on to talk about, I'm amazed at the sheer number of supporters who are rushing to get yard signs in the toughest race I've ever faced. Okay, good. And then he says, will you give me 14 bucks by midnight? Now, this is an ongoing tactic on not just the Democratic side of the fence, but also the Republican side of the fence, because I have his opponents sending me the same freaking emails. Now, he didn't think about yard signs, but he's always asking for money. You know why he's asking for money? So they can print this. Newspaper. That's where the money goes. And radio ads and television ads. The only people who really make out in an election cycle are the people who own newspapers, print companies apparently, uh, television and radio stations. That's where the money goes. And inherently nothing wrong with that and nothing new with that. Okay? So... Getting these email blasts on an ongoing basis is either irritating or um, uh, interesting. And I try to tend to go with interesting, as I said, just to measure where this is headed. Every single one of these, both sides of the aisle, insist that without my money, it's the end of the world. Without me getting involved, reading this paper, and sending money by midnight. Now, I don't know what the midnight thing is because they got to buy airtime. Uh, even a dollar would help. A dollar helps to save the republic. Are you kidding me? So that's going on back and forth. That's the email side. And then this is really a telling article on Yahoo News. And I tend to stay away from Yahoo News because it's pretty sensationalized and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I couldn't pass this one up. Now, in full disclosure... I know Dr. Mehmet Oz, who's running for Senate in Pennsylvania. I worked with him for four and a half years from 05 to 10 in that time span at Oprah Radio. I was his executive producer. We worked together on a daily basis. And my first impressions of Dr. Oz, when we the first day we met was like, okay, I get it. This guy's a hard ass, kind of like I'm a hard ass. And in order to get things done, I got to go there with him. I can't, otherwise I get run over. He's a you know heart surgeon. He's used to having things the way he wants them. And that's the way he saves people's lives. He has a team around him of nurses and people in, in the uh, ER and all the rest of it, and the OR and all the other R's that he can come up with. And so for four and a half years, I dealt with Mehmet, as I said, basically on a daily basis. We produced thousands of radio shows for Oprah Radio. And he was always cognizant of my expertise, meaning he knew that I knew more than he did in this arena. And so he, he genuflected and bowed in my general direction when it came to radio, radio production and all that kind of stuff. I did the same towards him as far as health. I mean, I don't know a quarter of, not even a quarter, a quarter of a percent what this guy knows. But we were able to respect each other as an expert on each side of the fence and find ourselves in middle ground. So just saying that up front, Mehmet Oz running for Senate in Pennsylvania doesn't mean anything to me one way or the other. I haven't talked to the guy in years, and I don't live in Pennsylvania, so it's really kind of a moot point. However, he's going up against a guy named Fetterman. Big guy, looks like an offensive tackle, and uh, they've gone back and forth. And when I say they've gone back and forth, it reminds me of this newspaper thing. I don't know who creates this stuff, but their camps are lo lobbying bombs back and forth, verbal insults and all this kind of stuff. And I will say it's interesting that Mehmet's got his hair slicked back like a politician. Now, before it was just kind of TV hair. Now it's kind of like slicked back politician hair. Um, so this is kind of the story. And I'm just going to read this. This is Megan Myers and Isabella 
McDonald, who wrote this, uh, came out today, uh, the 17th of September, on Yahoo News. Philadelphia voters say Fetterman-Oz debate won't impact most midterm voting decisions, but some believe Fetterman could sway undecided voters his way, even if he displays health concerns. Now, Fetterman's had a stroke, and he had a stroke of, you know, while this whole uh, voting process is ramping up. He's the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, and so he is heading towards the Senate, he hopes, and he had a stroke. And so, interestingly enough, that, of course, shows up as a weak spot, and so the Oz campaign is jumping all over that, saying maybe if he ate more vegetables, he wouldn't add a stroke, which is a pretty low blow. But this is politics. There's no high blows here. It's all low blows. So just know that going in. At this point in time, it's a question of where your morals lie and what your values are, Carolyn said on a midterm election voting decisions, no last name. She said she's happy Fetterman decided to debate Oz and hopes his debate performance will swing undecided voters. She goes on to say whether he gets into the Senate, and hopefully he does, but dies the next day or not, I would rather have him advocating for a single day for the things that I believe in than voting for someone who may, you know, live forever but does not value the things that I do, she said. So that to me was just a really telling thing. Now listen, I kind of get, I'm asking a lot here when I do these shows, I'm asking people to think for themselves, but more importantly, to act on their own values. And I think the big disconnect, I don't think, I know, the big disconnect for me is that we're somehow in a mindset, and this is not new by any means. This is what politicians are hoping for. Just what this woman said, that you vote for me because I share your values, and then you go do what you do on behalf of me and the other millions of people that voted you in, and I'll sit back and complain or judge or make, you know, uh, try and make some sort of sense out of this as you go on for the next four years. And I have never thought that was a good idea, ever. And, and that's where all this leads me to. This newspaper doesn't mean... If I had a dog, I'd use it for you-know-what. Um, the emails, I look at out of uh, professional curiosity and and all that, but I'm paying for those too. Somebody's paying for this newspaper, and all the ads and all the rest of it are paid for by these $14 by midnight kind of things. And to, to think that somehow, listen, in, in the world we live in today, you pretty much know where you're headed. Undecided voters, I, they're a very small group. They've always been the ones that people wanted to capture. You know who's on one side, you know who's on the other side, and that little swath down the middle is undecided. And they're undecided, apparently, on values and, and issues and things like that. And I just never thought in my entire life as a voter that I could sit and watch a debate and go, I'm waiting for someone to say one thing that'll make me feel better about them. So what, I don't have to do anything? Fascinating concept to me, that we abdicate our power, our responsibility, and our issues to someone else who's in public office. And then they go in and they do battle against the evil other side. And then we sit back like it's the Roman Colosseum and go, isn't this horrible or great? One or the other. Depends on where you fall on the political spectrum. So these things in and of themselves, and I have to close this. <laughs> I got to close this thing on my computer because there's Oz staring at me. And I know that look. Um, Again, whether he gets in or the other guy gets in, it's, it's sort of not relevant in my life. It's relevant to the people in Pennsylvania. But And I've had people ask me, you know, what do you think about Dr. Oz running? I'm like, eh, okay, I mean, it's the United States of America. If I wanted to run for office, and I won't, and that's kind of the point of this show, is 
you know, why would I spend time in that when I can do this? Uh, I've had, because of my media stance and because of the things I talk about, I've had offers to run for, you know, in Michigan when I live there to run for political office. And I'm not going to do that. First of all, I'd have to give up my radio show. Not going to do that. And I think I'm better at serving whatever constituency there is by at least having some sort of conversation that informs, entertains, and inspires instead of just beats the shit out of each other. There isn't one political, even the Fetterman Oz thing, there isn't one thing redeeming I've heard from either one of them. Either one of them. So if you're already in the Oz camp and you're going to, you know, good into the, the, the slick back hair and you're going to take the route that he's taking, then you're already decided. And if you're not in that camp and you're in the Fetterman camp and you're going this way for the lieutenant governor that wants to go into the Senate and represent your values, then that's done. I can't imagine there's this, you know, 85% of the people are not decided already. I have a friend of mine who lives in Pennsylvania. I called them a little while back just to get their read on things said, you know, I, I work with Memonaz for four years and here's some of my observations long before he had any political aspirations. But at that point we were just getting him ready to go to television. And, um, you know, how do you see what's going on out there? And, and they said, you know, he's a terrible choice, but he's the only choice we have. And I said, well, you'd never vote for the guy. Oh, hell no. I'd never vote for that guy because then my life would somehow get worse as if it's Never been worse when somebody else was in or better when somebody else was in. Is that not the big illusion that somehow, some way, plopping someone in a political office will enhance your life immensely? What a pile of crap. But that's what they're selling. That's what they're selling. That's the whole concept of the democracy that somehow we have the control this time. And if we just control the House and if we just control the Senate and if we just control everything, everything will be better. I don't believe that. I mean, there are things on the horizon on a big scheme and scale that have to be handled. That's what their job is. But how my life goes, whether I'm happy or not, whether I deal with the issues that I think are important or not, that's up to me. And it always seems to be the way that once somebody goes in and pulls a lever, which they don't pull levers anymore as far as I know, it's an electrical ballot machine that you know takes care of that, uh, that we somehow sit back and go, I'm done. I'll watch the game for the next four years. I just don't buy it. At least for me personally, I don't. And so as I've touted many times on this podcast, and other things that I do, the truth would be, sure, go make the vote. This is this uh, America. You do that. We vote for people that we think uh, are worthy of our support. But then you don't stop. You go out and do everything you can to deal with the issues you think are important. If you don't like the way the homeless are treated, go to a homeless shelter and volunteer. If you don't like the way the veterans are treated, then you go to the VA and volunteer. If you don't like the way kids you know, have access to reading, then you go and volunteer. And volunteer your time. Do something with the time you've been given. It's astonishing to me, really, as I sit back. It's like, like I said, so much of the world today is looked at under a microscope and it distorts everything. But when you pull back and use a telescope, and I'm using my telescopic eye right now, just one eye open. When you use a telescope, things look different. So sometimes you have to pull back from the chaos just to see it. And I'm constantly doing that. This paper, when it shows up, I'm thinking to myself, again, the only person that really made out is the people who printed it. Because for me, outside of using this one uh, issue, what issue is this? They say, what well, was the week is September 4th to 10th, which means I'll be getting these for the next, what, two years. Um, it just shows up in my, in my mailbox. And I, and I look at it and people open it because it looks like the newspaper. Yeah. And uh, so 
yeah, so the, the people who print this make out, but will it change my mind one way or the other? I don't even read it. It's fodder, except for where are your local stars playing college football in 2022? Let's look. Uh, any big names? A couple of guys going to Miami of Ohio, uh, Notre Dame, Penn, Tulane, Wisconsin, Cornell, Georgetown, uh, Iowa, Lake Forest, a couple at North Park, a couple at Northwestern, Western Michigan University. Ooh, a couple at Augustana. Augie's always got some good football teams. And South Dakota. So that's where these guys are going to go play football. Well, that's good to know. But other than that, the paper's worthless to me because it's propaganda. And all that is paid for by people who feel that certain way. I'm waiting for the other version to come out from the other party because it'll be their propaganda. All I'm saying is right down the middle is where the truth usually lies. Because As my grandfather used to say, Grandpa Carl, no matter how thin you slice the cheese... There's always three sides. There's one side, the other side, that little slice in the middle, that little line. That's what holds things together. And I tend to stay there because it's just a lot easier on my, my mind and my brain and my heart and my spirit and all the rest of it. It's just a bombardment now of who's right and who's wrong. And as I said, very little redeeming out of either side of anybody's mouth. So it's entertaining on some level. It's a spectacle of politics. It's what this country has allowed to, to, to happen. I'm still, though, waiting for someone to, to, to get into a political race and say, I don't care what the other side says about what they're doing or not doing or what they say or don't say about me. Here's what I stand for. Here's what I'm going to spend my time doing. I, I really don't want to care. You can lob all the stuff you want, but I'm not going to even respond to this stuff. What's the point? It becomes the tug of war, as I've mentioned before. And the only way to really win a tug of war is put the frickin' rope down. Don't even engage in it. What's the point? There isn't one. So out of pure curiosity, uh, if, and it sounds like that uh, Dr. Oz and John Fetterman are going to debate some point in October, I might tune in just to watch to see how that turns out, right? Because it's this long anticipated thing. If that's what change, changes people's minds, if they can get on and debate, and there's this, this group of people that are pivotal and important to one side or the other. I want to hear what they're saying that's any different than the crap that's in these newspapers or in the emails I get. The guy begging me for money every single day because the republic hangs on it and my 14 bucks will save the world and I don't buy it and I'm not buying any of it. Which means here's the deal for me as I get ready to wrap this up. A little bit of a rant this morning and I'm hoping you're hearing something besides just politics because you'll never know how I vote one way or the other. It's not your business any more than it's my business how you vote. I'm looking at the players in this, the characters in this, and the routes that they take and, and the ploys that they use and the strategies and do they work or do they not work. And if you're not a thinking person and you're a knee-jerk person and you look at this paper and you go, oh, this is the end of the world. The governor of Illinois is leading a push to replace the myth of biology. I'm not reading that. I'm not reading that, but somebody will, and somebody will go, oh my God, I knew it was true. And that's all it takes. So in this time that's coming up, I'm kind of girding my loins for a bombardment of stuff. This is, however, when I, I wish I was on terrestrial radio, when I had my own show, my own uh, production company doing terrestrial, and I could charge both sides up the wazoo just to have them on the air. That's where the cache is at. So all that money, just to be clear, in case you didn't get it, all the money that's raised on both sides of the aisle, those millions of dollars is to buy airtime to tell you how terrible the other person is. Fill in the blank. That's all. 
and to get them to fly around and drive around and, and go to these rallies, that's all funded by us. We're basically funding our own fear. Every time they come up with this stuff, somebody paid for it. They didn't. It's not out of their pocket. It's out of your pocket. That's how it works. Every time that's donated to, if you feel like you're supporting an issue, good for you. Just understand what it's really doing. It's just making more of this. Maybe I should have talked about the fish, huh? <laughs> anyway, thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great day. Be well. Safe travels. Adios.